Happy Monday, everyone, and welcome into the Go 24-7 podcast. My name is Bryce Kuhn alongside Glenn West as we get ready to recap what is essentially week two, uh, the full week of spring practice for the Tigers here in 2023. Before we get started, make sure to subscribe to the channel, hit the like button, and let us know down below your thoughts on some of the latest news or the rumblings that Glenn did a good job detailing all week. Uh, some of the clips that we were able to put together, big thanks and shout out to Glenn and Dylan for capturing those that, look, Glenn, this time of the year, I mean, I remember, uh, you know, when I growing up, my favorite team, I wanted to see, you know, just anything, any type of clip, quarterback work and drill, defensive lineman on the sled, like whatever it is, I want to see that. So some good stuff over on the YouTube channel that you're going to want to check out. Uh, but Glenn, arguably the biggest news of the week kind of dropped 24, 48 hours ago with Jamar Kane heading off to the NFL. Um, I want to start it off with this. You've covered the program longer than I have. Well, well-deserved. I mean, this is a well-deserved promotion for Jamar Kane, going to be a pass rush specialist on Sean Payton's staff with the Denver Broncos. So, you know, the, the Saints LSU fans might be a little bit torn. The fact that their uh, their head coach is out in Denver and, and plucking a talented guy uh, from LSU. But just kind of um, what was the feeling? You know, obviously you had that quick interview that came up about you know, it was kind of the news that yeah. broke and then the confirmation. I mean, what was the feeling of a guy with this amount of not only recruiting prowess but coaching, uh, you know, network as well? He's gone. And, and where does that kind of leave the Tigers right now? Yeah, I mean, it was a bit surprising, to be honest with you. Um, you know, I don't think you can ever be surprised when a coach decides to move on. I would say probably the the timing of it was a little bit um, kind of the surprising part. Um, you know, look, Jamar Cain's a guy who has been in the college game now for nearly 20 years. I mean, you go back to 2005, and we I remember talking with him uh, last year with a bunch of media guys. Uh, he was at the University of Ohio where uh, Joe Burrow's dad was the defensive coordinator, and he was like a graduate assistant under uh, under Jimmy Burrow and, uh, you know, pretty much, you know, was a big part of Joe's life for about a year there when he was around. So um, that was a really interesting, cool connection, and he obviously went on to do some really great things uh, in the college game and, and certainly most recently here at LSU, uh, not only uh, recruiting-wise, you know, bringing in a guy like Deshaun Womack into this recruiting class and, uh, securing Quincy Wiggins and uh, all those guys from 2022. So, um, but but development-wise, I mean, the the defensive line was was probably one of the strengths of, of the team last year. At least it was supposed to be uh, in, until Mason Smith got hurt, and um, you, know, you you kind of go through a little bit of you know change there with Makai Wingo getting most of the starts, and Jaqueline Roy and Ali Gay and BJ Ojolari all had. As, you know, pretty productive seasons um, as, as pretty much the primary starting group. So, um, yeah, this this was – I think it's a hit. You know, it's a hit to the program, um, certainly going into this spring. Um, they had, a you know, a lot of positions that are kind of dealing with injuries right now. Certainly the defensive mm -hmm. line is no uh, exception to that. And so uh, having him and having that stability there uh, was really, really important. And, you know, now he's off you know, to the NFL, the coach with Sean Payton, as you said, and certainly leaves, you know, I think some some kind of immediate concerns in terms of how they're going to operate with that position group kind of moving forward, um, but but certainly in the long term as well. I mean, you're looking at a recruiting class right now that's got an edge, you know, rusher commit and Ahmad Bro and Collage Cobbins is a guy that's you know, technically a linebacker on our service, but, 
is a guy that could play edge as well, and they're certainly in the mix for a number of other defensive linemen, uh, five-star defensive linemen that we wrote about last week. So, uh, you know, I think this is going to be another situation here where Coach Kelly's tested in terms of his ability to bring in a guy with a, a really great resume, whether that comes uh, internally uh, or, you know, from an outside source. It's going to be really interesting to see how this uh, evolves over the next week or two. Um would imagine that, you know, I think the one thing about this departure and how it's a little bit different than maybe, uh, you know, James Craig, who left, you know, was was kind of released in the middle of that uh, offseason a couple of years ago when they brought in Brad Davis, is that there's a little bit more time um, to where you can really make a, a good decision here if you're Kelly. Um, you know, it's it's tough on those players. I, we, we talked to J- uh, Jacoby and Guillory yesterday, and he essentially told us, you know, look, we, me and him were button heads a lot when, when he got here last year, and uh, very, very, very quickly he won me over in terms of how he operated, how he, how he coached us, how he developed us, and so, um, you know, there's going to be, you know, a, certainly a hole there. But you know, Guillory also put it in a really great way: is that whoever they bring in, their, their, you know, their common goal is to get us better, and that's, uh, that's going to be something that we take to heart and that we're going to have to work with this off season and. Uh, certainly, it's going to be a really great, uh, you know, uh, kind of interesting to see how this uh, progresses here over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, and obviously, there's been obviously already some names kind of floated around on social media. I'm sure you've seen that on our board as well. Can you speak to any of that? I know a lot of people uh, have, you know, I've seen the name Bo Davis, Texas's defensive line coach. Any anything on that front that you can kind of speak to? I don't, I don't think it'd be a surprise to see Bo Davis's name in the mix. No, certainly not, and that, that's that's a name that I've you know heard around too. Um, you know, I, I would also uh, you know throw in Gerald Chapman, who's currently on the staff. He was a you know defensive analyst, worked closely with the defensive line group. Um, you know, LSU's already proven that, or Coach Kelly's already proven this year that he's not afraid to promote from within. Uh, obviously, with John Jancic getting the special teams coordinator job, and then bringing in a bunch of uh, you know, graduate, uh, you know, a, a bunch of assistants, uh, analysts who are going to help out with that specific portion. So, uh, if they decide to kind of go internally here, I think, um, you know, Gerald Chapman's a name to certainly look out for. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it's still probably a little bit too early to know exactly which guys they're really zoning in on. Um, I would expect it to be a relatively quick process. You know, hopefully you can get this new guy in here before. Uh, the end of spring and, and, and kind of get antiquated with some of the players. Uh, but this is going to be uh, a real kind of genuine concern, I think, in the immediate uh, uh, immediate future of just the next couple of weeks of getting through spring practice with a, a bunch of new guys that they brought in, a bunch of the transfers that they got in, in town and uh, s- several freshmen who were uh, you know, trying to get you know, antiquated with the, the roster. And so um, it's, it's going to be a, it's going to take a team effort here, I think, to, Kind of make sure that you don't let this uh, ne- these next couple weeks go to waste in terms of what you're trying to learn defensively. Yeah, and you talked about all the new guys on campus that obviously Kane had a pivotal part in, and that's one thing that I've seen just from talking to a lot of either the, the commits or talking with recruits is that whether they play defensive line or not, and especially in the state of Louisiana, a lot of fans know this, Jamar Kane probably played a role at some point in the recruitment of these guys. So that's going to be something you should monitor uh, and kind of get the thoughts of guys like, uh, you know, Ahmad Brew, these guys that, you know, were heavily had a great relationship with Kane. Now the good news is, is it's not that Kane went to another SEC school or another school. You don't, I don't know if right. you have to worry about him having to recruit against you now, but it's always one of those things, Glenn, that we see when coaching change happened, you have to kind of have at the back of your mind 
does that open the door for another school to now come in and make a pitch and say, hey, the guy that you was you know, was recruiting you wasn't there? And also, like you said, too, I think that's why the timetable has to move fairly quickly. And I don't know how far we want to go into this, but I think, in my opinion, if it is an elevated staff member, that helps with the continuity of the current recruiting class and the guys that you brought in. figured you would probably say the same there as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and we asked – one of the first questions to Jacobian yesterday was, have they told you anybody that they're considering or anything like that? And he says, no, nah, we're, we're in the dark about it as much as you guys are. And so, um, but he did mention Gerald uh, Chapman is a guy that, mm. you know, they, they really like that the defensive line room is uh, really well-respected in, in that locker room and with those guys. So um, certainly it's, it's an avenue that you can use. And, and there's only, there's only a couple that you can, can go after here. I mean, we're in the middle of spring now, and a lot of these coaches are, are if you're looking for a D-line coach at another top program, it's it's kind of a, you know, it's a linear move. It's not exactly a move up. So you're, you might be looking to uh, certainly get get a guy in here that, you know, is, is, is got some experience and uh, is coachable and, 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 you know, is a guy that can can coach these guys up pretty, pretty quickly. And I think at the end of the day, also, it's going to be something that Matt House signs off on as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Matt House worked really closely with Jamar and, and with a lot of the defensive uh, position coaches here on the roster. And so uh, making sure it's somebody that he's comfortable with, can get fit into the system pretty quickly. Um, I think those are going to be you know, big priorities here for Coach Kelly in the next uh, couple weeks and honing out which, which guy they want to really go after. So as we kind of shift from the Jamar Kane conversation, and which is a good one and a valid one to have at this point, we also have to remember there were a lot of uh, topics of conversation that you were able to detail in, in a couple of articles. And one thing I wanted to kind of touch on, which I know a lot of people were entering the spring, we heard Brian Kelly talking about it in the opening press conference about the offensive line and, and the lack of depth. And you know he made the comment, Glenn, of help is on the way, but it's not going to get here until the summer. And it's some able bodies, some young guys, obviously transfer and Mason Lunsford as well. But right now, is it is it safe to say that are they struggling to get a really good look on that second team right now? I mean, this juncture, they're still not where they want depth-wise. That's why we see how active they are in the recruiting front, why they wanted to bring somebody in Mason Lunsford in. I mean, what does that look like from a perspective? Is it still pretty thin and, and – I'll, let's say there's some stuff left to be desired up front for that second group. Oh yeah, it's certainly very thin, um, and it was just—it's been one of the things that Kelly's talked about a couple times in his first few press conferences with us. Um, you're pretty much looking at a first team right now of uh, Will Campbell, Miles Frazier, Garrett Dellinger, uh, Marlon Martinez is filling in at center, first team center for for Charles Turner, who's out, and then Emory Jones as well. And a lot of those guys are flip flopping right now. Emory Jones told us. Um, you know, this week that he, he's been playing left guard, he's been playing right guard, he's been playing right tackle. Will Campbell, who was a stud left tackle for them last year, has been on the right-hand side as well. So um, there's there's some continuity stuff. I wouldn't say continuity stuff, but there's some uh, some shuffling going around um, mm-hmm. with the first team as well, and that doesn't even get into um, – you know, it, it, it's a little bit – it's it's a little bit noticeable here in terms of just what they have to work with in the second team. I mean, they've uh, converted a defensive lineman, Kels Bush, uh, to the second team, and um, you've got Bo Bordelon, who's a, a second-year player, as the second-team center, um, and uh, you've got Kimo McIniel, who's a backup uh, guard-slash-utility guy that they like to use on the interior. He's playing 
But then you've got a bunch of walk-ons there too right now, and that's just kind of where the situation is. Uh, I remember, I mean, I was just out there yesterday with a bunch of uh, media guys, and it's a noticeable uh, kind of drop-off in terms of just which guys are available uh, and how that second team looks, how it operates. And so uh, they've got to field a couple of competitive uh, D-line or O-line groups, um, and that's just kind of where they're at right now. You did mention that they got help on the way in terms of Lunsford and certainly Zalance Hurd and um, a couple mm-hmm. of the Louisiana guys they got coming in, Paul Mubanga as well, um, and Tyree Adams, and, and and just you can go down the line there. But there's you know there's there's help on the way. They got about four or five guys that are coming in this summer, um, and they just got to kind of figure out a way to get through the next couple of weeks. I think probably the biggest thing, uh, if you ask me, is just um, how they hold up health wise. I mean, the one thing you cannot have is one of these guys, one of your starters get healthy because they're getting so many reps and they're being overextended a little bit in practice. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's got to be the last thing that happens to you uh, if you're LSU's offense heading into this offseason. Yeah, it's going to be something interesting to monitor. Uh, You talked about guys like uh, Bordelon obviously making up that second team uh, in the hurry-up drill. Uh, Kells Bush has gone out of necessity from defensive line. And then another name, too, that we – just continue to kind of see, you know, float around as Fitzgerald West. And, and you mentioned, and, and so did Dylan, kind of in your joint notes, at some point this guy is probably going to have to see some time on the offensive line. He's been working with the D-line. Do you expect to see more reps? And obviously we have to remember, too, you're only seeing a smaller portion of practice. He's probably doing work, right. you know, that we don't see. So you expect that change maybe to come in and to just to give these guys a little bit of a breather and, and not overextend them. Yeah, it's possible. Um, you know, we, we, I've looked at Fitzgerald West a lot in, in this you know first couple of practices, and he is a little bit on the, the smaller side in terms of what you're looking for for an offensive lineman. I think that's probably why they made the move for him uh, to go to the D-line. Um, he's a big, stout guy, but he's just not a very tall guy. He doesn't have a whole lot of length to him. Um, so I'm not sure if they're really considering moving him back to the O-line. I think the, the thing in that scenario with these players that you kind of – feel like could play both ways you don't want to just keep flipping and flopping on them and and, and they're not really great at one thing on one side of the ball so yeah just talking with coach kelly um last week it it was really a a, one position group where he said there could be some some maneuvering is in the secondary where they are very healthy and they have a lot of corners and a lot of safeties uh we could probably get into that a little bit but Mm -hmm. um just uh, I don't think that they're going to be flipping and flopping a bunch of guys now on the offensive and defensive line uh, because they know that they've got some help coming. And if they if they you know, take this time now uh, to put a player there that is only going to be there just out of necessity for a couple of weeks, it really stunts his growth on what they want to do on the other side of the ball. So I don't think that uh, you'll see a whole bunch of cross-positioning in terms of uh, on either side of the ball uh, kind of moving forward here. You read my mind. Let's move over to the defensive side of the football and the defensive backs. Um, I wrote on this because uh, I thought it was – I remember I texted you and I said, hey, I, I kind of want to take this as a really interesting part. It's it's about Denver Harris. And I don't think – you know, when, when we go back to when he transferred and announced he was coming to LSU, okay, awesome, you're getting a five-star talent, like this kid's a great player, ran in some trouble – but I think until you get into these press conferences, you kind of forget about the story and what it took to get him to come to LSU. And I wanted to kind of detail some of these things out, and then obviously you were in person, so you can kind of you know follow up with this. But it stuck out to me 
the vetting process that Brian Kelly and his staff have. They're not taking talent just because it's out there. They want talented guys, but you have to fit the culture of the program. And I think it speaks to where LSU has grown in this new identity that he wants LSU to be known as, as a program that is going to have a standard and we're, and essentially says we're going to stick to that. We're not going to have someone who's uber-talented come in and mess up the culture, the chemistry inside the locker room. That's one thing. And then a guy like Denver Harris, which, look, you know, Dylan detailed that he looks really smooth out there. Everything that we've heard and you all have seen, the kid is – he's living up to the billing. I mean, why the national guys, you know, put him in the recruiting rankings. But to see a second chance, to see him get this opportunity, um, and like Kelly has said, so far so good. I mean, I know it's one thing they're obviously continuing to monitor and they want this kid in the best environment. And Kelly noted that this atmosphere is a little bit better. I mean – what have you seen from him? And just as a whole, we can get in obviously talking to you know, the piece doing on Sunday about Greg Brooks and, and all of these new guys. I mean, it's a big overhaul. We've talked about it. But there is, uh, there's a, you know, a familiar face in Greg Brooks, Brooks that went through this last year. And then you have these new guys. And I just kind of thought the story about Denver Harris and how he got here uh, and what it took. It wasn't just a let's take you because of the name, the brand of the name. Yeah, I mean, they were very diligent in their process with him, as you kind of outlined there. Um, they've got a couple benchmarks for him to hit in terms of you know, off-field stuff and, and certainly on the field as well. Um, he, he's he's a guy that, that can be an absolute X factor for this team uh, come fall. I mean, he's got that kind of talent, um, former top 10 you know, recruit in, in, in a 24-7 rankings. You don't just you don't just wake out of bed and get that. And, and I think there's a lot of a lot of untapped potential there. Uh, and they've got a really really solid foundation here with uh, with, with Robert Steeples. I think he mm-hmm. is going to be a um, you know a real you know kind of whisperer in terms of just getting the best out of these corners uh, that he can. Um, really impressed by what he did in year one with a pretty practically brand new cornerback room was able to get those guys up to speed. And um, I thought they, they outperformed, uh, they exceeded expectations last year for me. Um, and I think a big part of that has to do with steeples and his ability to reach these players. Um, you mentioned the, the atmosphere. I think certainly it's, um, you know, they're, they're LSU is not afraid to, to go out of their way to tell you that they're proud of the foundation they were able to establish last year, uh, in their first year here under coach Kelly, um, when they got in here, it was it was a pretty big mess, and there were not very many scholarship guys on 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 the roster, and they had to, to do a, a pretty big overhaul. And uh, credit to that team last year for for really uh, embracing what they were pitching uh, for for the most part. I thought that they really um, you know exceeded a lot of expectations last year, and you're able to carry that momentum here into the next season. I think there's enough of a returning foundation. You mentioned Greg Brooks, Major Burns. Uh, is certainly a guy in that in that secondary and in that room that all those guys respect and uh, is a leader. And so, um, you know, Denver Harris is going to be a huge part of what they do in terms of can they be one of the top three or four defenses in the conference or can they be just middle of the pack? You know, I think his play and how he responds uh, this offseason is going to dictate a lot of that stuff. Yeah, and it's a guy last year when he did play, and obviously we know it's been well documented the off-the-field issues that plagued not only just him but a lot of the locker room uh, in College Station. When he did play, he played like an all-SEC corner. I mean, this is a guy that, like we talked about, it's never been a question of the talent. Uh, you mentioned Zy Alexander, Terrence Welch were the first-team gunners. Um, another thing, and I know everyone loves talking about special teams, this stood out to me. Omar Spates, Parrish Shan, 
and uh, OVO. I'm not even going to try to say it. A GoFu. I'm going to let you guys say it, and I'll just call him uh, O Squared or whatever. We'll just give him a nickname <laughs> on the side of things. But That's good. When I see kick return blocking, it makes me feel good that they're putting veteran guys there. Because I don't know, Glenn, if it's more of a thing where they were saying, hey, you know, we need you, or maybe Omar, Ovi, are guys that you know came and said, "Hey, look, put us there. We know you struggled here. This was a, this was a weak spot last year. Special teams was as a whole, and put us there. I mean, to me, seeing veteran guys want to play special teams, that speaks a real testament about the character and the guys you're bringing in. Anything you can kind of go in with with how the special teams are looking so far? Yeah, sure. I mean, we had a uh, it was a good opportunity to kind of see what their setup was in terms of how they're. Uh, approaching special teams this year, um, John Jancic was right in the middle of everything. He's the mm-hmm. he's technically the coordinator here, but they got a lot of a lot of hands in the cookie jar helping him out with with that aspect of the game because uh, there was a, certainly a recognition there that Brian Kelly saw that there needed to be some some pretty big overcha- overcha- some big changes here uh, as they kind of move into this 2023 season, and so you make that move with the coaching staff and you, you bring in a lot of these veterans. I think the fact mm-hmm. that they have uh, a couple of guys that they're really excited about in the return game uh, really kind of helps alleviate a lot of some of the issues from last year. You know, last year there was a bunch of uh, muff punts and uh, some missed blocks downfield in terms of the punt return and kick return. Um, in the Florida state game, you had the extra point that was blocked because of a miss you know, assignment on the outside um, you've got a lot of veterans now, a lot of guys that are getting work in um, up front and certainly uh, in those special teams packages there for, for the return game. And, you know, we're not going to get a chance to see Aaron Anderson. I think that, you know, the mm-hmm. punt and certainly the kick return game, it's a lot to be determined until we get to see him uh, out there. Um, but, you know, there's certainly some capable guys that I think they can get a look at this spring and uh, see if Anderson can – uh, overtake those guys because Anderson's a guy going back to his high school days that was just an electric high school athlete and was able to really break games open with his speed on special teams. And LSU's hoping he can have a similar effect this year for them. Yeah, it would add another dimension. Uh, last and certainly not least, um, I don't know who decided to throw this in here, but it was obviously to spark some conversation. But the ball just coming off of Garrett Nussmeyer's hands so fast. Glenn, oh, yeah. That, you that, that you, was me. Now, now, now yeah. you threw that in there. You knew we were going to have to talk about it because you knew fans were going to notice that. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think that surprises anybody. And you mentioned also that Jaden Daniels had a few nice throws. Um, is it the zip? What, what, what is different? For fans that can't see it about Nussmeyer, what, what, what is it that makes it just different? Yeah, it's the, it's the zip. It's the spin. It's the, um, the accuracy on the move. I mean, the, the drill that I was, you know, you can't really – write about it and and, and and unless you're seeing it in, in person but the drill I was move, uh, alluding to was they were doing some drills here where the quarterbacks would roll out to their uh you know kind of less dominant side and it was kind mm-hmm. of an awkward throw uh where they were, were the right-handed quarterbacks were moving out to their left and so um but but Nussmeyer was just I mean he was throwing it as hard as you could possibly imagine mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it, it was it, it was coming off really nice. I mean, just just hitting the guy right in the hands. Um, and, and look, Jaden had some really good throws too. I mean, look, you can't really learn a whole lot in 20 minutes, and so that's why I kind of just jotted that down. That you know, look, the quarterbacks, you know, their their throwing motions look great at this point in the season, and um, you know, I think there's going to be certainly uh, some some takeaways in terms of the off season of how these guys look in the spring and. 
uh, they, they, they certainly look like they're ready to take another step here in the quarterback room. That was probably the bigger point that I wanted to make uh, in those notes. I think Nussmeyer is taking another uh, jump in his game, um, but I think Jaden Daniels is, is also starting to realize that, hey, I can be a pretty dynamic passer myself, and mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to be really interested to see how those guys look as we get deeper into spring practice, as we get a little bit more of an inside look at what you know their their offense and how it's operating, how it's grown in the last couple months since the end of the 2022 season, and uh, I just think there's a lot of growing in here um, that, that that certainly can help this offense uh, take another big step uh, next season. Glenn, I can already see the clickbait headline on YouTube. Nussmeyer takes a big step, but is it enough? And then we'll just let fans run wild with it. That that's going to be a lot of fun. Now, sure. hey, appreciate appreciate talking. Obviously, spring football. Appreciate you all for tuning in as well. We're going to have more and more. Uh, Glenn, what's the schedule for this upcoming week? What does it look like? When will you guys be out there? Yeah, so we got a couple more practices coming up. Um, I don't have it pulled up right now, but um, I think uh, yeah. So we're going to have something on Tuesday on uh, March the twenty. 20- uh, no, sorry, eight, March the 30th. Uh, they don't have access, but they will be out there. Um, and then Saturday, uh, April 1st is really the the next big opportunity. We get a chance um, to, to really look at the next week. Uh, they're going to be open after period 18, which means we'll probably get an opportunity uh, to really see this group in some seven on seven, 11 on 11 opportunities mm-hmm. up and down the field, which will be really, really fun. Uh, get to talk with Mike Denbrock next week and, and a couple players as well. So certainly lots more to come. Uh, it'll be a little bit more of a lighter week in terms of spring practice, but um, there's there's a lot of, lot, of, lot of stuff on the horizon. There's still plenty of practice left to go. Plenty of practice. And before we go, we got a shout out. What a response from baseball. Was really impressed with the response to the doubleheader on Saturday. Any, uh, any kind of closing comments after a – you 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 put it. I mean, just uh, unraveling in the in the top of the tenth inning on Friday, and then they come back out and not only dominate but flex the muscles, show why they're number one in the uh, doubleheader sweep. Yeah, twenty six to seven over those final two games on Saturday. Um, just really dominant stuff from the offense in particular. Uh, learned a couple things about the bullpen. I think Garrett Edwards is certainly a guy that you're going to have to lean heavily on moving forward. Uh, Griffin Herring's throwing his name into that mix, but. I mean, the big takeaway is Dylan Cruz. I mean, he just continues to be just light, light, light teams up. And, you know, we wanted, I wanted to see it happen in SEC play. He's only gotten better in SEC play. I mean, he's just been really seeing the ball well and been very impressed and probably going to be the number one pick. And, you know, there's really not much else to say <laughs> other than the fact that he's probably the best baseball player LSU's ever had. So it's, it's, it's a really fun season to watch. And I hope it continues. Yeah. And, Glenn said this earlier, we uh, we don't work directly with the school, but we will say, go get your tickets. Go watch this kid before it gets much more expensive for you to go watch him at the next level because uh, it's it's a treat for Depends sure. Depends on where he's playing. Maybe, maybe not in Pittsburgh. You never know. <laughs> Pittsburgh, um, I don't think that ticket's going for too much. So there you go. I don't know, about, I don't know much about Pittsburgh Pirates. But. <laughs> that is Glenn West. My name is Bryce Coon. This has been another episode of the Go 24-7 Podcast. We appreciate you for tuning in. And continuing to hit the subscribe button and grow the numbers as we get closer and closer uh, to that 2,000 subscriber mark, which I have no doubt. My goal is to hit it before end of uh, before the spring game. I'd love to do that. I think we we could do that, and that'd be a lot of fun. And uh, we get ready for a summer full of recruiting. And before you know it, Glenn, um, you and I will be going to lunch in Baton Rouge. I'll be able to actually see you guys in person, and uh, we'll be down there, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Awesome! Can't wait to awesome. have you. Go Let's subscribe. 
Go subscribe. Glenn West. Uh, with the what was the poster? I don't remember. I'm gonna have to cut it's this part because I don't remember. What is it? Uncle Sam you, or something? Uncle Sam. Yeah. yeah. We'll get an edit there. If you if you have good graphic design skills, change uh, Glenn West's face and do that. We'll see you next time on the Go Twenty Four Seven podcast. Make sure to subscribe, and if you're listening on audio, make sure to follow us, like us, and follow the podcast anywhere you may need to going forward. We'll see you next time here on the Go Twenty Four Seven podcast.